You were listening to episode 90 of the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast with Allie Reagan. I get like pulled into our head doctor's office and I'm just like, you, you mean to tell me what? Like, I was like so in shock and I'm like crying and I'm like, Destin, like I have to go to Worlds. Like you don't understand. I'm like, please, like I'm begging him. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gents, it's Wrestling Changed My Life. Thank you so much for tuning in. My guest today is Allie Reagan, three-time U.S. Open champ, two-time World Silver, one of the staples on Team USA's women's team, and it was an honor to have her on. Fan of the Week goes to Becca Roper, she runs the social media accounts and works at the Dan Gable Wrestling Museum out in Waterloo. She also does a podcast where she interviews the wives and girlfriends of elite wrestlers. So check that out. Becca, thank you so much for all the support that you've given to the show. And tell Lee we said hello. Last but not least, if you want to stay up to date with the podcast outside of this episode, you can follow us on Instagram. It's at Wrestling Changed My Life. And Twitter, it's just my name. It's Ryan underscore N underscore Warner if you want to see different clips, different mashups of the interviews, that's where you can find us. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for Allie, the mother of cats, Reagan. Peace! Man, is King the dynasty of college wrestling for women or what? Kinda. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> How did all that start, though? I mean, has it always been a powerhouse for women's wrestling? Oh, gosh. So when I was being recruited to colleges and stuff like that, I didn't know. So in high school, I also played... Uh, volleyball in the fall and soccer in the spring and then wrestle in the winter. So I was like kind of looking to play like soccer or volleyball in college. Um, so I wasn't like fully committed to wrestling and my parents didn't really force me on it, which was really good, I think. And um, it didn't burn me out, anything like that. I only really wrestled in the wintertime um, unless I went to a club practice in, at Perler in St. Louis or something like that here and there. Um, so I was looking at other colleges and I was actually looking um, – at OCU, Oklahoma City University, they were the powerhouse when I was like a uh, fresh, like sophomore, junior, senior coming up. They had won nationals for like five years in a row. Okay. And so I was like, hey, I want to be a part of that team if I'm going to wrestle in college. And I went and I visited and I was like, I, I verbaled actually. And I was like, and then I went on my visit and I something was just like a little off. I was like, I don't get like the best vibe. Um, something about it. And the, and then I uh, went and visited King after I was like texted coach Jason Mormon, the head coach there. And I was like, Hey, I was like, 
uh, I'm still looking at colleges just to let you know. He's like, when can you come? Like, come as soon as possible. So I went the next weekend, and I loved it. The campus is beautiful. Tennessee's beautiful if you've ever been there. And um, so there was it. And that was only the second year that the program was even around. So I went to this, like, program that was, like, pretty much unknown. They probably – they got last at uh, College Nationals the year before their first year. I mean, it's their first year, so it's kind of expected. Right. But they recruited a lot of good girls that were the same age as me coming in. So I was like, oh, you've got her, her, her. Like, I'm going to have great training partners. Um, So for me, it wasn't really about, like, the dynasty of going to a school like that. It was more like, hey, the coach is awesome. Had a great connection with him. He still is a huge part of my life. And um, training partners. Those were the two things that were major to me. And I could see myself living in Tennessee, and I love the campus. So that's why I ended up not going to OSU. OCU. Yeah. And went to King. That's a long story short. So you didn't do any of like the summer freestyle wrestling on the international level back then? No, like Cadet Worlds wasn't even a thing back then. I did Fargo. I never won Fargo. My teammate in college, actually, Julia Slata, always makes fun of me for never winning Fargo. (laughs) She's like, you're the best wrestler to never win Fargo. I'm like, thanks, I guess. (laughs) But like the world tournaments didn't have anything going on like that back then, huh? No. No. Wow. If they did, I didn't really know about them. I was more like involved in other things. So that's crazy to think you almost didn't wrestle in college. I mean, what? how different would your life be? Oh gosh, I don't even, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> so when you got to Kings, your is it Kings or King? King. King. Now it's King University. It was King College back okay. in the day, but. So when you got there, your freshman, you know, August of your freshman year, had had they won just the one title or no titles yet as a college? Zero titles. We didn't win a title till my junior year, and we like dethroned OCU, which was like the big team I was telling you about. So yeah. That was huge. And then they won a bunch after I left, too. Okay. And is there scholarships in women's college wrestling? Yes. Okay. So we're – King was D2. So okay. D2 and NAIA. Yeah, and it was like a private school. So you pretty much have to get a scholarship because it's like 36 grand is some like a year or something crazy. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's insane. Now, is the it's women's crazy. college circuit – Pretty much like the men's November through February, March, or the nationals, that whole thing. Um, I think end of February is um, like WCWA nationals. So like every single like NAIA D two any uh, like what's the other ones? All the all the different NCAA levels. ones. Yeah, they all wrestle WCWA, which is like a made up women's college wrestling association. Okay. So they have the huge nationals where everyone wrestles each other. So that national tournament's like end of February beginning of march maybe um yeah and then it's freestyle too in college for women oh it is that makes sense though yeah because most of the girls like transition really well to the senior level or like junior world team so right it's good that it's that way so most most of the folks i have on here when they go to college you know it's it's a pretty big learning curve but for you you were wrestling guys all throughout high school so was college not easier but was it a relief to have to wrestle other girls or other females or Yeah, I mean, it's definitely different. Like, even Tom in the room, he's like, hey, this would work against a girl, but not against a guy or something like that, or, like, vice versa. He's like, girls' hips are different. Guys are way bigger in the shoulders, you know. So it's definitely different um, wrestling. But I definitely liked wrestling guys in high school because I did find that transition to be easier. I'm like, hey, I had to work hard and had to kind of prove myself, especially Mm -hmm. in a state like Illinois, where you're wrestling really good guys all the time and going 
to King College and wrestling just women pre- uh, all the time. So yeah, it was good. And how did you how did you do when you get there? Got there through over your four years um, there. I got second uh, my first year at College Nationals. You know Daniela Paz. She's Canada's Olympic team member. I've heard the name. Yeah, I lost to her my uh, freshman year, and I got second. And then uh, I got second to Jen Page. She's uh, on a bunch of senior national teams. And then I got first my second two years. Okay, and it yeah. was that kind of. Once you got there, did you start working with Coach Steiner out at the uh, at the yeah. uh, training center during that whole yeah. time there? Yeah, I would spend – because my freshman year I made the junior world team, so you would spend um, the summers pretty much at the OTC for most of those camps getting ready for junior worlds. Um, so that kind of, like, introduced me to the whole Coach Steiner, the realm of, like, international wrestling too. Um, so then my first two years I was on the junior world team in college in my second two years i transitioned to the senior world team and shit you've been on it ever since i mean it's mm-hmm. I, I was blown away by looking at your stats and just how, how how consistent you've been at that level i mean when did you first start having dreams of you know wrestling at the world level or in the olympics because maybe it doesn't sound like you maybe even were that serious about it in high school if you're doing a lot of different sports i could be wrong though i'm just curious yeah i mean growing up when you i feel like you wrestle everyone's like i want to be an olympic gold medalist when i grew up for me, I definitely was like, yeah, me too, kind of thing. But it wasn't like, did I truly believe that? No, I was just having fun with the sport. And I think that's kind of, I mean, I still love to have fun with the sport. So I think that's what like definitely kept me around. Um, and the other sports I had fun with too. So I yeah. think that sports to me were just like something that was so fun. I didn't really think about the future as much as I do now. So when did you get like obsessionist about wrestling? When did you go just crazy focused and, and kind of determined on it? Probably my sophomore to junior year in college, I was like, hey, um, I think I missed, um, I didn't make the senior world team um, the year that I was in juniors. I tried for it. And then the next year, I was like, hey, I'm not going to be a junior anymore. If I don't make the senior world team, I'm not going to be on a team. So I'm like, I better buckle down. I went down a weight. My two junior years, I was 63 kilos. And then I went down to 59 and made the senior world team. And um, because Diana was like, hey, this is where I want you. This is where I see you competing successfully internationally. And like, let's go from there. And so I definitely like bought in right away. I was like, all right, let's do this. You know, was it a hard cut? No, it was, I mean, let's be honest. I kind of gained the freshman 15. Um, (laughs) so 63 was like me being a little pudge kind of thing. (laughs) So I got it together. (laughs) No, I, uh, I remember when Caitlin Chase had made a world team, she, or maybe it was even a national team. She had a um, a pretty bad cut to get there. And I just, you know, I always like to hear those weight cutting stories, but it doesn't sound yeah. like you went through that. No, no. And so before you even got to college, Joe, you were around Zane Richards, who I can't mm-hmm. think of like a grittier competitor than that guy. He's just, he's so tough. Gritty definitely describes him. <laughs> <laughs> you guys train at Perler a lot. What did you learn from both, you know, Perler, of course, but also just mm-hmm. from competing with Zane every day when you guys were going down there and working out? Yeah, I mean, I had to bring it. He's one of those people that he comes into practice and will, like, the first thing, you don't, like, put the person's leg up and let them stretch kind of thing. You know how they get into it that way? Yeah. He's, like, going to club you and take you down hard. So you kind of <laughs> just, like, have to pick up with it. And so he's not, like, the easiest driller. Like, he would just be, like, going live when it was supposed to be a drill. I'm like, okay, dude, you're better than me. Like, I get it. Like, I'm trying live as well, but we're only supposed to be drilling and you're not letting me do it. So it kind of like makes you elevate yourself and your wrestling. So if anything, he's just been like someone who's always been there and he's like a brother to me. So 
it's definitely been a good experience to have. Like I even ask him these days when I see him, I'm like, Hey, he was like the best high crotch in my opinion. I'm like, yeah. Hey, I don't know what to do in this high crotch position. Will you show me kind of thing? So he's like really good with technique. And so we've done some camps together too over the years now that we're older and I just learned things from him when he's showing stuff too. So I love, I love Zane. Guy, he looks so good a couple of weeks ago too. I know. I hope he does well this weekend. Man, big week coming up. And yeah, it's funny. There's nothing worse than when you're wrestling a guy and you're trying to drill and they're going 100 percent like that. I know. I'm like, <laughs> dude, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so what about uh, what about Perler? I, we were talking a little bit before the show. You know, he has a really unique take on things and he, he speaks his mind. Um, and I like that because a lot of a lot of wrestling people just kind of say the same things over and over. But him and the Askren mm-hmm. seem to have their own opinion. Was there anything you picked up either technically or mentally from Perler over your years going down there? Um, yeah, Nick Perler was the one that was in my area, so I worked okay. with only him. Um, and yeah, he was awesome. His like technically, he would slow things down to like a T. He'd be like, we were like little robots in there. Like step one, change your level. Step two, you know what I mean? Like get yeah. to this. Le- you know, everything was like very minute details. And it makes your position so perfect. So I think that like once you got those reps in from him, like breaking everything down so technically, you could just like pick it up real quick. And um, and honestly, like your position, yeah, like the drilling was like to a T, hard, perfect drilling, and it was like it was really good. I mean, it engraved that like sense of perfectionist in my mind from such a young age too. Yeah. And then after that like hour of drilling, you would just have so many good people from the area and you would just like scrap. Mm-hmm. So I remember going against like Ryan Mango one time cause he lived in the St. Louis area and we were just like beating the crap out of each other. It was a good time. I mean, cause you, a lot of people don't realize that you qualified for state boys state as a freshman. I mean, you were scrapping with the boys all the way throughout that. Was it kind of annoying? It, I'm curious if it was more so annoying that like people kept saying, Oh, Allie, she qualified for Boy State, or was it something like you're like, fuck yeah, I did. That was pretty impressive. I mean, because sometimes it's like, recognize me for my own accomplishments, not just for mm-hmm. qualifying for the boys tournament. You know, um, I didn't like to think of myself as like anything different. Right. You know, so I just kind of like blended in with the boys, and it was just kind of expected. Um, but once I got like past my freshman year, and I was getting like heavier, I went like one twelve, one nineteen. You know what I mean, one twenty five. So it was like once I got up there in those weights, I really felt that like that strong man kind of thing. So oh, yeah. my freshman year was definitely like, Hey, you're still light alley. You could like do maybe qualify for state or stuff like that. And it was a huge deal in Illinois, you know? So huge. I deal. was just, yeah. I had was Caitlin done do it? That. Caitlin um, Chase? I don't, I don't remember if she had done it before. I remember my bracket though was like Nick Dardanes, um, Ellis Coleman, Ramos. Tony Ramos. Yeah. yeah. There was like, once I think Ramos posted it like a couple of years back and I was like, Oh my gosh, that's wild. no wonder I didn't place. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Oh seven. Cause that was my senior year. I was looking back yeah. at it and I remember being there and hearing something over the PA system that, you know, the first, maybe it was the first woman wrestling a match at the state tournament was you, but yeah. I was looking back those brackets in Illinois, Oh six, Oh seven, Oh eight. Vicious. Yes. Cause it was only two classes back then too. So it right. was like, I was like, and no one good was one a, so would you no have been, uh, and I have a lot of 1A friends, so keep that in mind, boys. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> we, I come from the sticks. I don't know how my school is was 2A, but it had to be like one of the smallest 2A. Would you have been 2A Same. in the new one or 3A? We're 2A in the new one, too. So, yeah, we're I 2A mean, now. I was like, I could have done a little bit better, maybe. Right, right. <laughs> now, when you uh, when you got out to Colorado Springs, you lived there mm-hmm. for several years, right? Yeah, three years after college. So, what is 
I've always wondered this. What is kind of your day in the life like out there? Are you building friendships like within the town or are you pretty much just staying at the training center? Like, What is it like living out there full time? Um, my first year I didn't like go venture off and I just like stayed. Have you been ever been to the OTC? It's like a no. bubble there. You're like, it's almost like a very nice prison. So you're like in these like dorms and like you can't, there's like a cage to get off and you have to go through security to get on and like show all these badges and stuff like that. Yeah. It's very like wow. very secure, which is good. But like, if you don't leave like the compound, you could just be on that place for like weeks on end. So my first year when I moved out there, it was actually kind of depressing. Cause I like, only went from like wrestling room, my room to the wrestling room to the calf and everything was just like in this little circle. And so I was like, yo, I got to start getting off complex. And so once I did, I made like other friends off complex and stuff like that. So it definitely helped help that because you can just get sucked into that. Like wrestling is my life kind of thing. Right. Wrestling changed my life podcast. Right. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you know what I mean? So yeah. it's just like this constant so you have to like get off complex and like do things like that or else you will be in that lull. I think my first year I got hurt and I was like not wrestling for like two months or something because I had surgery on my hand. So did you come back like, home during that or did you stay out there? No, I stayed out there. So that was even more like wrestling. I'm like, all I do here is wrestle and now I can't even do that. Like, oh my gosh, I was going crazy. So yeah. Are the dorms nice at least for the Olympic level athletes or are they just regular college dorms? Um, some parts, if you like go for a camp, you're in like the dorms. But since I was a resident, it was like nicer, like apartments. You like shared a living room and then you had your own bedroom, bathroom and stuff. But like there are those dorms that you have to like have community bathrooms. And I'm like, no. Brutal. <laughs> yeah. Are terrible. other uh, sports like the like the gymnasts or the swimmers, are they out there full time or is it more kind of the, the, the mid-level sports like wrestling and some of the smaller sports? Um, I know the men's gymnastics, they train their full time. Okay. I know that. Um, I think the girls, since they're like young, I think you have to be 18 to actually live on complex. And since those, uh, Olympic level athletes are so young these days that they're not like stationed there. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So th that's the hip term on complex, off complex. Yeah. On complex, I'll, I'll pick that complex. up if I ever go out there. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> now, is there a lot of mingling between your practices and like the freestyle and Greco practices or do the women have their own dedicated teams and times out there? Yeah. The women are their own dedicated teams and times and stuff like that. I feel like the women have the most probably residents right. um, out of all of them because before like Iowa and a couple other RTCs started um, having women on their, their roster and stuff, it was mainly just everyone was there. So, yeah, that's uh, I was kind of thinking that and I feel like Greco has a little bit more than freestyle as well. Yeah, Greco does have more. I would assume now the women's freestyle team has one of the most impressive coaching staffs I can think of. Uh, but Terry Definitely. Steiner in particular, I've never talked to him, but I've interviewed his brother Troy for this podcast. And those guys are just workers. I mean, he talks about not taking like more than a couple of days off for 15 years. Um, just that kind of di discipline. Do you get that from Terry as well? Oh yeah. They're like fanatical. work, workhorses. Like I'll come in, I was out there for camp last week and I would come in, um, to practice and Terry's practically like sprinting on the treadmill, like every single morning, like he gets <laughs> there like way earlier sprinting on the treadmill or like doing crazy, like aerodyne workouts or like a circuit in the wrestling room. And he just comes over when we're about to start practice, like just drench. Everything's like covered in sweat. I'm like, you going to change your Jesus. shirt before practice coach? Yeah. <laughs> and then he'll like grab one of us and wrestle with us. And so, yeah, he is still to this day a workhorse. And, like, Tom and Terry here have even told me, like, stories about them, like, doing three days, like, every single day. Every single day. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, 
freaking what? nuts. Was that good for you? <laughs> I don't know. It's like I've interviewed a it's lot just of all those... they were used to. Yeah, exactly. And it's like That's all they know. A lot of those Iowa guys talk about how the Steiners were extremists and all the Iowa guys are extremists from the 80s yeah. and 90s. You know, mm-hmm, so for sure. Now, when you look at your you know, resume, you've been on the world team, what, like six, seven times, maybe eight times. You, you got second twice to the same lady from Japan. How do you pronounce her name? Kawaii. Kawaii. Have you yep. wrestled her outside of that, outside of those two matches as well? I have not, no. Okay. What is it with Japan where they have kind of a stranglehold on women's wrestling? Has it always been yeah. that way? Yep. Ever since um, I can remember, they've won the Olympics, like team, worlds, everything since 2004 for sure. Um, so, Jesus. yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. And um, when we like go over there, it's very, we went over there this summer for a while and we like went to, um, they have a university that's called Shigakon and that's like their main station. Like the Kauai's are there, like all of the good girls and just like coming up too. So you'll wrestle their like third, fourth, fifth string girl and they're like just as tough, if not as tough as Kauai. So they're like very deep in depth at every weight. It's just crazy. So you trade with Kauai at that camp? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Like I, yeah. I'm thinking of Japan kind of almost like Dagestan or Ossetia or anywhere from yeah, that caucus region. Yeah, it's very rare. Yeah, it's very rare. It's good that you like compared them because it's very rare that they let people come into their practice. But we were over there for and staying at a different location, and we only got to go to their practice one time. So one single like, like two hour practice. Just one single two hour practice. It was like Shit. all live, and so it was it was a great practice. Was it just but, Team and, USA in Japan? Yep. That yeah, is, it, I'm getting chills we thinking like about that. Videoed it or something. <laughs> so, I mean, she. What is, do they have a different style of practice? Like, and what I mean is, I had, and I'm not trying to name drop here, but just Sergey Belaglasov was the coach of the Japanese team, and he said the discipline over there is insane. You know, they get there Amazing. never late. They're kind of lining up beforehand like a jujitsu class. Mm-hmm. Did you get that sense yeah. when you were over yep. there? Oh yeah, we're like all lined up. If any of their coaches like come through, all of them like stand up, no matter what they're doing, they stand up, rush over and like bow. They're like, hi, hi, hi. Each of them like bow and like shake their coach's hand upon arrival and like departure. So like it's very, a very respectful culture and it's amazing, honestly, to see. Wow. That is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Any any yep. group that's excellent at anything I'm fascinated by, it could be mm-hmm. badminton. I don't care. Like if yeah, you're exactly. dominant in one thing, that's fascinating to me. And obviously when we, when it comes to wrestling, it's another level. So Kind of going into 2017, you've been dominating domestically for a while. You got second to 2016. So 2017, you probably know you're going to go up against the same lady from Japan. How does that mm-hmm. kind of impact your training and your mindset throughout the year? Are you solely focused on that person or are you just trying um, to get better in general? I think that after 2016 losing in the Olympic trials, that was a huge like turning point for my career. So after that, I was like, had to like, Re, not redo, but just like reevaluate everything from my life. Um, so you, I didn't just even like, know you were in the trials of 2016. I thought you got, yeah. Okay, I must have missed that. No, so I who, lost to Kelsey Campbell in the finals, the best two out of three sh- by like one point each match. Yeah. That had to be a pretty big experience, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it's just something that it's just, I'm thankful for it now. I'm very grateful of like how it's transformed my wrestling and like my life. And I think from after that, I just had to, like I said, reevaluate and be like, hey, what do I want? Do I want to – I didn't know if I was going to continue wrestling. I was heartbroken. I was like, am I going to do a whole other cycle? Like four years is a long time to commit. I was like 24 at the time. So I'm like, do I want to give another four years of my life on this like 
dream that might not even come true again kind of thing. So it was definitely something that I had to figure out like internally. And then once, um, so like Steiner was like, once the non-Olympic trials came around to 2016 where I play second at, he was like, Hey, are you going to do this? Like, are you in, you out kind of thing? Like we need to start training if so. And then like right there, I was like, I'm in. So I think that that was like, just like a crazy thing. And then once I got second, that definitely like fueled the fire. I'm like, Hey, like this is where I need to be. Let's get the very best I can and get everything out of every day. Um, cause I do want to win a world championship. You're so close, but yet you're so far. Yeah. So did they have so did they have a, a world championship separate for a non Olympic weight that year? Is that yeah? So that's I, what I went saw. okay. Yeah, I went fifth from fifty eight up to sixty because it was either fifty five or sixty. Um, so I went up to sixty, and that's uh, where I did the non Olympic weight one. And had you wrestled? It was Kelsey Campbell. You said who beat you in twenty sixteen? And tri- yeah, in the trial. So had you wrestled her before that? Um, yes, I had wrestled her twice to make the world team, and I had beat her both times, or in the best two out of three. So it was just like. But it was always close. She's very positionally sound, and so it was, it was just like a lot. Yeah. Did you have any doubts going into that? That, like, um, th- that it might not get it done. I mean, everyone has doubts, but I mean, you had been on the team for so long before that, you know. Yeah, it was definitely a lot. Like that year after the trials, I wasn't like, I was sad for sure, but I was like, thank God that's over. As weird as that sounds, I was like. I was so stressed for so long about this one thing and the weight wasn't qualified yet. So like, regardless, you still have to, even if you won the trials, you would have to go overseas and, and we didn't end up qualifying that weight after that. So it was just like a huge thing. Um, so Kelsey couldn't even go to the Olympics. So yeah. And that's even hard for her. I can't even imagine you making the team and not even being able to go to the Olympics. Um, cause you can't qualify the weight. So it was just like a very, it was a very long thing, and so I was just, like, so stressed that whole year. And after that, I was just like, thank gosh, that's over kind of thing. Isn't as crazy, crazy as that sounds. Think about I know. That? I'm like, Gotta, so weird. If you're, like, a kid listening, you're like, you can't even imagine that. And Yeah. So so you get back on the horse. You're, you're fully in for 2020. But then you mm-hmm. had a pretty serious injury in 2018. Yes. Right? Talk mm-hmm. to us about that. What happened there? Um, so, like, 2016 to 2017 is when I moved to Hockey Wrestling Club and started mm-hmm. training in Iowa and stuff like that. Um, and that was a huge, uh, amazing turning point in my career, too. I feel like I actually, like, learned how to, like, hand fight and wrestle and brought that style into my wrestling game as well. Um, and, yeah, 2018, that summer, I had one final X. And then um, that summer, after one practice, I just remember I was like, something's not right. Like, my adrenaline must have been going, so I don't really remember what exactly the impact was. And um, I just had must have – I was in, like, the most excruciating pain. And I, like, Like back ended pain, up arm pain, or – Neck pain. So I have, like, a scar. I don't know if you can see yeah. it, like, here. Yep. Um, I herniated two discs, like, so deep into my spinal cord that they were like, if you continue to wrestle, like, you could go paralyzed. So – yeah, and I was in so much pain for so long, and I finally, like, two – I think it was two or three weeks out from Worlds, they finally gave me MRI because they were like, hey, this isn't getting better. I'm like, yeah, I've been telling you guys this kind of thing. It was, like, excruciating. And it was, like, going down my arms. My arms were, like, dead. And so – That's yeah, scary so, shit. Yeah, for real. So I had to get surgery right away. They're like, there's literally no way you can wrestle um, at Worlds. So luckily, like, Jenna, um, the number two, could go and – it was enough time for her to like get ready and stuff like that. So yeah, it was crazy. But I mean, once you finally heard the doctor say you can't go, cause it's like, that's a lot of emotional roller coasters over two years, right? For sure. 2016, you're thinking maybe I don't wrestle anymore. 
then you then you're back in so you're dying to wrestle and then they tell you you can't was it uh were you kind of relieved you couldn't go in 2018 because you're hurting so bad or was it really hard to handle when they told you um it was definitely really hard for me for me to handle like once um i was like expecting to get mri results they're like oh yeah we can um try and like do more massage or like cupping to try and see what exactly they were just gonna get a deeper look with the mri and then i get like pulled into our head doctor's office and i'm just like you, you mean to tell me what? Like, I was like so in shock and I'm like crying and I'm like, Destin, like I have to go to worlds. Like you don't understand. I'm like, please, like I'm begging him. Cause I didn't get the severity of it first. I'm just like, something's being ripped away from me kind of thing. And, and I was just like begging him. I'm like, I'll wear one of those neck braces. Like I'll do whatever <laughs> it takes to wrestle, like begging him. And he's like, like, you don't get it yet. Allie. Like, so yeah, it was just a crazy thing. And I brought the images back here. I'm like, I need a second opinion um, kind of thing. So I brought him back to the Iowa doctors and they're like, Allie, like he, this is very, very serious. You like need to get surgery right away. So, and they're talking about doing cupping before that. It's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, can I just get like cupping or dry needling something like that to relieve this pain? Like it is a little deeper than that, dude. (laughs) So are you, I mean, a hundred percent healed now after the, uh, I know it's a couple of years ago and you've made a world Mm -hmm. team since, but I mean, What did they do to fix it, essentially? I mean, repair um, discs? It's or? actually really cool. Yeah, no, they do this new thing. It's called, like, arthroscope, arthroscope or something like that. Um, and they t- took out your old discs. So they take, like, the damaged ones out. They were, like, super deep in there. And they take them out, and they put, like, um, a titanium fake disc in. So it's, like, a ball and a socket-looking thing. So they wow. used to only fuse the discs, which was, like, pretty old it's been around forever the fusion but since it was two of them it's like very risky to do like two neck fusions like I wouldn't have like mobility and stuff like that so it's like kind of harder for people to come back to a sport like wrestling with that little mobility and stuff like that and it just deteriorates on the other vertebrae around it so definitely that like new procedure it was awesome game changer because I've heard of people fusing their necks and they walk around all stiff they can barely turn around and yeah (laughs) so I've heard you say that during that time you went uh, during the time when you were out from the surgery you'd go into the Iowa room and it was almost like therapeutic and like you felt like you were healing kind of through osmosis sounds crazy to say um it is yeah I'm like what do you mean by that do you have any examples of that or yeah, for a long time, I could only, like, ride the bike or walk on the treadmill, and I would just, like, sit and watch practice because I'm not just going to sit at home. I'm too, like, right. crazy for that. So um, I would just sit, uh, ride the bike, watch practice, and I would just see everyone scrapping, and I would just learn so much from that time. And it was just, like – and that energy is, like, very um, – has healing powers, I feel like. So just, like, seeing every everyone, like, go to work, I'm like, hey, it's just, like, fuel the fire kind of thing. It just – I had to be back on the mat, like – oh, Alex Marinelli hit that today. That was sweet. I'm going to write that down in my journal. Like visualize that. See if I can add that to my um, attacks. Uh, to your thing. game, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. the, the energy of a college room, I can only, I've never been through it. I can only imagine. But when you have like one of the top tier programs like I, Iowa. I was like crazy, yeah. Man. Was that the first time you had been through a D1 season for a college team? Um, like kind of hanging around it and being around the energy? Because in Colorado, yeah. you don't really get that, right? No, it's definitely different. Like the energy and like the intensity is definitely very different. You like at OTC, it's more like individual. So it's like, hey, you get what you put into it kind of thing. A lot of it's like your career is in your own hands where at Iowa, it's like, hey, Tom and Terry are on you from the moment you walk into that um, door because they want you to get the best of yourself that day. And so if you need a kick in the butt, you're going to get that. And if you need like 
to be put through anything like you're going to get that. So they're very hands-on coaches and I love that. And so I, that's what I needed when I came here too. Mm-hmm. So I loved, I loved that. And so what a coincidence like, that you went from the Steiners to those, cause those guys, the brands of Steiners were in there together in the early nineties yep. battling, you know? I know so yeah, it was awesome. Definitely a Hawkeye all the way. What do you think mm-hmm. the biggest misconception about the brands brains brothers are? The whole robot thing. I'm just like, you guys are crazy. Come on. Have you ever like met them or talked to them? They're very they're like, funny. Yes. They're hilarious. And they're, they want to bring you and make you a part of the family. Like that's what a huge, that's what I would describe I wrestling as like a huge family. So like those guys are on the team are like my brothers. Mm-hmm. And if I need needed help moving like tomorrow, they'd be like send like a whole crew over to help me move and stuff like that. So it's just like definitely not just a wrestling room thing. Like they like help those guys on and off the mat, like off the mat, especially changing their lives. Oh, I'm sure. I, uh, I, I just, I've only interviewed one of them, but I, when I had the chance to do that, I was just kind of blown away by how funny and how jovial they are. And yeah, like I was interviewing Tom in his office at the end of the interview, he goes, shit, it's 10 o'clock. Spencer Lee's here. He takes off on a dead sprint through the coach's hallway to the wrestling <laughs> room. I have like, still have the Gotta mic go. in my hand. I'm like, Jesus dude, freaking animals. Um, yeah. He's awesome. You mentioned something that piqued my interest and the listeners will, will know what I'm talking about here. You mentioned that you journal and you visualize. I'm big <laughs> on different tactics that, insane winners do repeatedly and obviously that's you so is that something you do on a repeated basis journaling and, and visualization yeah definitely um like I love journaling writing things down like you learn so much every single day from like, so many people like Gilman came up to me in practice and I was like struggling with a single leg finish and he just like showed me three things real quick like because he was just uh getting done with his workout and he was sawning so he came over and was like hey because he has like one of the best single legs in the world you know mm-hmm. and just show me three things and I'm like if I wouldn't have written those three things down would I have like actually remembered them probably not and so just like adding things I just think you should definitely be in touch with like your wrestling and writing your goals and everything that you like to write down so for you me do in the morning or at night um both if like my intentions for the day and if I have like certain focus areas it's like these are my focus areas um, my process goals and stuff like that. And then I can go back after and be like, Hey, did I actually hit those focus areas? What did I get out of those focus areas? And like, did my, how'd my practice go type thing? Um, so I think it's definitely good to like be in touch with that. You said and, process goals. So you, you focus on mm-hmm. like, what is that for you? Like the amount of takedowns you hit or the length of time you go, or what does that look like for you? Um, for me, like a process goal, obviously the big picture is like 2020 Olympic champion. Right. Like, um, but the process goal, like for one day would be like, Hey, today I have to get so many, like, I can't shoot a low single. Like today, my process goal is like, Hey, go to, you got to go to your double. You got to go to a left side of the body attack. You got to shoot everything off a two on one, you know, stuff like that. Like if that's mm-hmm. my process goal, then I'm getting better in those areas and I'm like widening uh, my variety of attacks up. So I think that something as little as that, or like, Hey, I really need to focus on parterre today yeah. and or my transition. So like every takedown, no matter if it's at the beginning of practice, you got to go right to a turn. So just little things like that definitely like adds like repetition and stuff like that. And the things that I wouldn't necessarily like think to do, it's like, Hey, you might be able to take everyone down with your best sweep single, but you can't hit that today in practice. So what, do you, what else are you going to get to? So you're so, constantly thinking about stuff like that all the mm-hmm. time, just different little angles you can do to get better and add to your game. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. That's exciting. Um, and then as far as like meditation and like vis- visualization, like I did a lot of that when I was injured because it's easy to like get better at attacks. Like I felt like when I 
came back to wrestling, I was like, I'm a better wrestler because I like visualized this specific shot so many times and I like saw it so realist like so realistically in my head that I think there's a stat where you do if you vis- visualize it like a move or something so or some- many times. You heard about yeah. that? Like the yeah, guy who watches it, the guy who visualizes it a thousand times and actually does a free throw shot a thousand times on the thousand and first shot, they both like the guy who visualized might be even better, you know? Yeah. Which yeah, is cr- exactly. again, crazy to think about, right? Crazy. Yeah. Did you know so any of that stuff that- in high school or no? No, I definitely was just like, let's just work hard kind of thing. Fucking I've always been it. like, yeah. yeah, just like put your head down, go to work. That's just kind of how I was raised. So that's just always what I knew. But now that I'm getting older and like have these injuries and stuff like that, it's like, how can you get better outside of that? How can you might not be able like Terry Brands, like Tom always tells me, he's like, Terry had to change the way he trained um, for the 2000 Olympics. Like he literally couldn't because he was 32 years old. He couldn't wrestle. Yeah and train the same way. He's like, you're going to have to do that um, going forward. And I was like, oh, wow. Like all I've known was like, just go hard and be on the mat. Cause it's all I want to do. I don't want to run. I don't want to right. rehab stuff like that. If it was up to me, I would just be on the mat like two times every day, all day. Cause that's what I love. And so it's like, Hey, you're going to have to spend more time doing prehab and rehab in the weight room. You're going to have to do your lifts. You're going to have to spend other time like outside of wrestling kind right. of thing and getting better in other ways and just grinding on the mat. Like, it's not going to happen, you know? So would you visualize when you were on the bike or kind of back at your apartment or whatever, kind of by yourself, like with your headphones on, that kind of thing? Yeah, definitely by myself okay. uh, with my headphones on. It's definitely easier when you're not like as so much stimulus is going on and stuff around the wrestling room. And then so. one thing I was going to ask too is, you know, from now through the trials, do you plan mm-hmm. your schedule yourself or do you sit down with Mark Perry, the Brains Brothers, and I don't know if there's anyone else involved, like a trainer, mm-hmm. and say this is – you know, I have a five month window. These are the tournaments I want to hit. Like, how do you plan out where you're going to go and that kind of thing and what, what the broader picture looks like? Um, Terry Steiner is like the best coach because of this. Like he flew in, we have like evaluations kind of after worlds and like going forward. And, um, after this year's worlds, I was like, let's not talk about this year. Cause it obviously didn't go very well, right. but I was like moving forward, like what's going to happen. So he came in, flew to Iowa cause all four of us, uh, on the hockey wrestling club as girls, we just did all of our like meetings in one weekend. So sitting down with Perry, Tom, um, and Terry Steiner and just being like, Hey, this is what I, your schedule is going to look like. What do you have like input and output? Like you kind of like build your schedule together, like the important things. If you, if I should go to a camp at the Olympic training center this right. week, um, if there's going to be foreigners in stuff like that. So for me, like it's definitely a combination of like all of my coaches being like, Hey, this, these are what you need to hit. And for me, since I'm going down to 57 this year, the weight wasn't qualified at um, this past Worlds. So my schedule looks a little different. I need to, like, qualify the weight. I have a wrestle-off to try and qualify the weight. And then stuff like that? that. It's February 8th, I want to say. And then where's the qualification tournament at? Um, it's in Canada, I want to say. A okay. Pan Am Olympic qualifier. Got it. Man, so yeah. that... God, the freaking, it's a lot, yeah. The fact that the weights, I didn't realize the uh, the women's team had the same issue with the weights as the men's team does, yep. where they're pulling weights out and people got to go up and down. Mm-hmm. But I mean, why yeah. wouldn't you? Okay. So like if you just wanted to go to Japan and train, you couldn't do that. You'd have to kind of get clearance and get everyone on board with it. Yeah, okay. see if, if they'll even let me kind of thing. So yeah. I definitely think that like st- the Steiners are such great, like Terry Steiner is such a great coach and he has so many good connections since he been, has been doing this for so long. He's really good at bringing international people in. We've gone to Russia um, and they've come to us. And then like last week 
a lot of people like Swedish team was in at the Olympic training center. So he has a good, um, like Just relationship a with a lot of countries. Yeah. yeah. And some countries are definitely more open. Like we went to China, but they've never come here. I don't know if they're like kind of secretive about that kind of thing. And then we've gone to Japan. They've never come here. So it's just like one of those things where sometimes you got to be out of your comfort zone and go to them. Does the Russian, even. does the Russian women's team, are they, do they do anything like that? Have you ever been over there or? Yeah, we went to their, um, they had a big, uh, training block with us, like a training camp with us. And was it 2017, summer 2017 and kiss Slovatsk at their training center there. Their training center is amazing there. Really? Yeah. Is that in awesome. that Caucasus mountain region or is it up near Moscow? Um, like is it no, by Dagestan and that whole area? No, it's totally on a different side. It's like uh, okay. I don't know exactly where it is, but it was a far flight even from Moscow, and it wasn't in the Dagestan area. It was like pretty much on top of this like it's elevation for them, so they call it their like elevation training right. training center, kind of like Colorado Springs mm-hmm. Chula Vista, to Chula Vista kind of thing. So we were there, and it's like on top of this like crazy mountain, and it's like driving up, and it's just this beautiful training center and on the mountaintops. It's awesome. Do they have a different feel for them than the than the Americans and even the Japanese women? Yeah, definitely. They're definitely um, more of like grinders, I would say. Um, where Japanese girls are definitely more like technical. Like they'll shoot from outside. Where um, Russians, they like they're really good at hand fighting, two on ones, typical Russian stuff. But it's cool. You guys get to go to all those training, you know, yeah, events awesome. and the fact that they're so open. You know, the, yeah, even some sure. of the top countries. I mean, as we wind down here, I know, you know, you are you know, laser focused on 2020, but do you ever find that you need some time kind of away from it and not thinking about wrestling to keep yourself fresh? And you know, the reason I ask is I've talked to a lot of people on the show where they say, you know, one year I was had blinders on, but it was just too much. It was kind of wearing on me so that I had to mm-hmm. when I wasn't at practice, I was thinking about something else. Or are you that person when you're outside of practice, you're still thinking about wrestling the whole time? Um, I've definitely over the years tried to find a better balance. Like I used to be just like wrestling every second of every day and it definitely consumed me and like the wins and losses consume me as well. So like if I would lose, I'd be so upset and so distraught, like, Hey, my life is wrestling and I just lost and oh my gosh, you know, it like really affected me. So now that I'm older and like more mature, I'm like, okay, you have definitely more to provide outside of wrestling and stuff like that. So I think that that balance is definitely better. Um, I definitely come home and watch a lot of film and stuff like that. And I'm doing like visualizations, but it's definitely not hundred percent wrestling or else I would go crazy. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So as we wind down, I got three questions I've sourced from the audience for you. Then we'll let you go. Okay. Cool. Yep. First question is why is Forrest Molinari's nickname snowflake? <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't even know. Okay. So the thing with her, she says it's like from way back when she was a child, that was like her nickname. But she just, like, has grown into this snowflake season and <laughs> everything like that. I honestly thought you were going to ask me why Forrest Molinari always so mad. <laughs> well, she's she uh, she's the typical Iowa girls wrestler, if I think. She reminds she me of, like, very well. Thomas Gilman, where you don't know <laughs> yes. if he's going to stab you or hug you. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> she is uh, She's very intimidating, for sure. That interview yeah. she did where she's like, I'm at Iowa. LFG. We don't get yeah. tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like... I'm like, I've seen you get tired. <laughs> Don't <laughs> well, lie to like, people. <laughs> for an Illinois person, you're like, isn't that fucking typical Iowa? It's like, come yeah, on, I'm like... give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's one. The second one is, 
you know what you know what do you listen to when you're getting ready for a match is it podcasts is it music is it nothing you know what is that what is like 10-15 um, minutes out for a match for you look like I'm definitely a music person I like to listen to podcasts more and I'm like relaxing and like doing um other things but music definitely trying to like get me get me pumped up get me going what's it what is it what's the pick oh um probably or, like rap or something like that or like techno or like some house good something with a good beat really okay and last question is when or will we ever see women's wrestling not at some of the smaller colleges but at like an iowa or at oklahoma state what what's the status there what's your prediction on when that's going to happen Everyone, I feel like for the past two years, people have been like, in the next two years, it's going to happen. I'm like, okay, just give me like facts. Like I need something. Um, So hopefully in the next two years, um, but we'll see. I just feel like it's growing so rapidly, but at the same time, um, it's growing so much that it's like, we can't spread it too thin. I think that's what they're like worried about. Like if it goes into these like bigger colleges, will it just like kind of dwindle through, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm. I'm thinking that I know they want to make it freestyle in college. So yep. I think that that's like a big thing that they're pushing for um, to make sure it's freestyle for the women. So I don't know if that's like holding them back. I know that emerging sports status happened through the NCAA and I don't exactly know what the next steps are from that. So would they still but, be able to wrestle? Sure. So like if Iowa had a women's team, would they still wrestle in the WCWA or would they do their own thing? See, I think that it would change to like, divisions like more then it would get but, too thin though you know yeah ex- that's what i'm saying so i think that because i know naia has like already branched himself off and they have their own nationals and they don't do wcwas anymore mm. so i'm like it's too soon for that in my opinion so i think that like we need to make wcwa like a big tournament still and like keep growing that like a crazy like in the ncaa division one tournament right i'd like to see it like that with all the divisions before everyone like broke off into their own thing it's smart because i don't have think that it's big enough one one umbrella though i didn't realize that yeah yeah like we had we wrestled like i wrestled that canada girl my first year i'm like she goes to school in canada how am i wrestling her in nationals right, right. but there was like two schools from canada that were in our wcwa too simon and, frazier like, right yep and uh i think brock maybe was too or something okay. like that that's but, um i mean how many schools are in that just if, off the top of your head like 30 or like 20 now i want to say like back when i was it was like 30s but now i want to say it's like grown cra- a crazy amount um like 50s i want to say Man. have women wrestling but i don't know like full rosters you right know? right it's like i so. talked to a lot of my buddies and there's a lot of programs being added, men and women at NAI, yeah. and, and a lot of NAI, some D3, some D2, but it's like, what's it going to take to get like the University of Texas to sponsor a program mm-hmm. for both men and women, that or even Iowa, awesome. to being a, mm-hmm. a women's team, you know? Yeah. I think Iowa would be on board, like, right when it happens, so. Yeah, Tom's a I huge proponent of it. He loves it, yeah. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Allie, thank you for your time. Last question. We ask everyone, you know, how did wrestling change your life? And it doesn't have to be that generic, but it could be what skills do you take with you from the sport or what life lessons has wrestling taught you? So, you know, how would you say wrestling has impacted or changed your life? Um, I would say that attitude and effort, like, go are huge. So, like, no matter if it's wrestling or in life, like, have a good attitude and give your, like, best effort every single day and bring that. And, like having a good attitude just takes it even that much further. So I think that those two attitude and effort have been huge for me and definitely anyone or any like younger kids growing up, just like have attitude and effort. Especially when you have to overcome insane obstacles like you have, or like any wrestler has. Yeah, right? That's exactly. when it's the hardest to keep that through. Yeah, for sure. 
Outstanding. Well, thank you for your time, Miss Sally Reagan. Thank it's been a pleasure. Me. Yeah, good luck yes. to you this season. You got some fans here in so Chicago. <laughs> thank you so much. Bye. And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us a review, give us a rating, and share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.